This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. Greetings from the Auctioner Sports Performance Center here in Metairie halfway through the week and hope your week has been a good one. Today we have a lot to get to. A busy Wednesday show, a Hall of Fame edition of the show. No, it's not because I'm hosting. It's because of our guests that will be on. And that is Carl Nix and Jonathan Vilma, who will be inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame this weekend. Both of them will join me to talk about being honored and also look back at the Saints Super Bowl run that both of them were a part of and how they're ready to celebrate this weekend as the Saints will take on the Chicago Bears. We also have some good news regarding the Pelicans as Pelicans and Zatarans today announced a new integrated marketing partnership featuring the company's iconic name, brand, and logo, which will be on the team's game jerseys beginning with this season. Addition to the jersey patch, Pelican slam, for every Pelican slam dunk throughout the season, Zatarans will donate meals to the Second Harvest Food Bank charity, and Second Harvest Food Bank operates food distribution programs, community kitchen meal services, nutritional education, and public benefits assistance. So uh, a great day here uh, for the Pelicans, and they'll see those you'll see those Zatarans patches on the jersey starting with tomorrow's nationally televised game against the Sacramento Kings. And speaking of the Pelicans, unfortunately last night they fell to the Portland Trail Blazers 103 to 93. It was a game that saw Anthony Davis leave the game with a left knee injury, played just five minutes, listed as day to day. Good news, MRI revealed that there is no structural damage to the knee. So we'll probably hear more later today. The Pelicans practice late today as they got in late from Portland into Sacramento. And then, of course, all eyes will be on DeMarcus Cousins as he makes his return to Sacramento. But last night, DeMarcus Cousins, 39 points, 13 rebounds on 12 of 23 shooting. Uh, really carried the load when Anthony Davis was unable to play. Drew Holiday, 14 points, 7 assists. The Pelicans were leading for a lot of the game, and then the Trailblazers uh, just took advantage in the fourth. I think the Pelicans were a little bit out of gas. Um, they had some foul trouble of their own. They outscored the Pelicans 32-20 to in the fourth, and they won by 10, 103-93. So, again, on today's show, we'll hear from Carl Nix and Jonathan Vilma. But on the Pelican side, of course, it is a Wesley Wednesday as another coffee shop endeavor for Sean Kelly and David Wesley. We'll play that for you in just a second. And we'll also hear from Jameer Nelson. Sean Kelly was able to sit down with him before practice yesterday, or before on practice, before the game against the Portland Trailblazers. We'll hear what Jameer had to say following his first game with the Pelicans, which led to a win over the Los Angeles Lakers. We have a lot to get to on today's show, so let's get started. And we'll start with a Wesley Wednesday. Sean Kelly and David Wesley from Sacramento. Guys? David, two Wednesdays in the regular season already and two coffee shops. We're on a roll, but it also means we've been on the road a lot here at the first part of the season. Yeah, you know, the way the season is set up, there's days in between now. You know, we're not a lot of back-to-backs, and that means a three-game road trip is going to take, you know, six days, and it used to could take four. So uh, a few more days on the road and a few more coffee shops, but, you know, we're used to it by now. This is very true. A tough way to go out last night. First of all, the injury to Anthony Davis in the first quarter, and that kind of, uh, you know, obviously played a huge role in, in the game, and, and therefore you've split these first two games on the road trip. What, what did you think about on the plane last night and on our way to Sacramento? Well, one, the fact that that was a winnable game. They were right there with opportunities and, and couldn't quite get over the hump. The fact that you have Anthony Davis out, who was rebounding the ball extremely well, 
and they really got beat up on the boards last night and and that's you know that's difficult to take but you know I thought some other guys Shaq Diallo got got a, got an opportunity and this could be an opportunity if Anthony Davis is out again for him to kind of start carving out some minutes but he's got to gain trust from the coaches and 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 play at a much higher level DeMarcus Cousins is really good I get it and he had a monster game last night but David, he can't do it all. I mean, that's that's too much to ask. Well, that's you know that's the thing that we've we've talked about you know over the first uh, few games is you got Anthony, you got Cousins, and and both of them have been playing extremely well. But you have to have other sources. You have to have other guys that are stepping up, making plays, um, moving without the basketball, making passes, defending, and all those kind of things. And it, it's been already in the first couple of games, just inconsistent, who's going to do what, um, and everybody's trying to figure out their way. This this offense that they're trying to figure out is going to take some time, uh, but other guys have to be able to score the basketball and, and knock down open shots. Here's what stinks to me also about last night. Damian Lillard's not going to give you a, um, a pass, a, pass <laughs> a, a one for 13 or whatever it was performance like like happened last night. You're, you're, you're really not, and you know, as it's going along, I remember saying to Joel last night on the air, I still wouldn't give him the last second shot. <laughs> I, I, I still would find a way to, to run him off the line or, you know, get the ball out of his hands because, you know, even late in that game, he hit a big three, uh, his only one or one of two. I don't remember how many he had, but uh, the guy can simply play, and you're right. You're not going to get that opportunity, and that's why I was thinking this is a winnable game. Uh, C.J. McCollum, you know, he, he started off slow, and then, then he got it going. But, um, you know, there's going to be opportunities. You're going to look back on this season like you like every team probably does every season and talk about, you know, the five to ten games they should have won. Yeah. How about the fact that Portland, by the way, has won 17 straight regular season home openers? It's like death taxes and Portland wins at home to start the season. Yeah, and that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, that goes back you know, several years and, uh, you know, 17 seasons. And, you know, that's a nice luxury to have. And, and you know they're going to win, you know, right around 30 home games this year because it's a tough place to play. And you got those two monsters leading the way. I mean, they're just a tough team to beat. And at home, they're even tougher. What, how come they don't have to open at home against the Golden State <laughs> Warriors? <laughs> or, or the Kobe Bryant Los Angeles Lakers? <laughs> come on. At some point, right, they've had to have scheduled a team that is dominating in the league. It's, meanwhile, in New Orleans, you know, we open against the 96 Bulls, it seems like, every year. Well, you know what, that, that'd, be a, that'd be a good research. You know, who have they opened against and how did that team finish? Because it has been uncanny. <laughs> Just in my six years here, the, the home openers that we've been matched up against, because um, it seems like, at least two out of the last four years, it's been Golden State. And while they're on their terror, you know, it's, it's uh, a little unfair. <laughs> a little unfair. But, you know, you got to play the schedule. And like uh, Alvin says, I don't know if I agree with it, you got to play them all anyway. Well, it does matter what order they come in, I think. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, you, you know, you could you play them all. If you played them 82 days in a row, you know, that doesn't help you either. But you still played them all like everybody else. Right. Totally with you on that. Hey, since the last time we were in a coffee shop for Wesley Wednesday, uh, the Pelicans added Jameer Nelson. It's kind of a big story this week. And, and it's a solid pickup. I mean, it, it really is good for this team, and it, it settles 
them down. You know, I remember um, coaching in the D League and Antonio Daniels, when he played, as a team, we had fewer turnovers. We were 10-11. When he didn't play and the rookie point guard behind him played, who actually got a call up to San Antonio that year, it was 19, 20, 22 turnovers. So a point guard does that kind of thing, and it's not just him not turning the ball over. He has a calming force and, and gets people in the right place, which allows them not to make as many unforced errors. And, and right now the Pelicans' turnovers are a bit of a, a problem and, and something they need to deal with. So uh, it's nice to have him here. He can make shots. And he already knows the system. He looks comfortable out there. And as soon as he gets his his uh, his win, you know we can expect better things out of him. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your take on Drew Holiday over the last week and how he showed or adjusted in this situation? I think it's he shows signs that he of, of what you expect from him. It's just not enough at this point. You know he he's not shooting the ball great. He's not you know making plays with with confidence, unsure, hesitant, and when he's that way, he turns the ball over, makes mistakes. And I don't know, because if you talk to him, he's he says he's fine. Um, but you can see that he's not the Drew Holiday that we know he can be and has been in the past. I don't mean to pile on here, but um, Dante Cunningham did not score in last night's game. You're still asking him to start at the three uh, on a positionless team. So when I say three, it's just because that's where he's slotted. doesn't mean he's necessarily the small forward, but that's what they've asked him to do. Um, am I reading something wrong into the way that Dante Cunningham is playing? Is he Does he dig deep for me? He offers something that goes deeper than the box score, doesn't he? Defense, and he really plays a huge role when you play somebody like LeBron because he has the size and length. He may not be completely as athletic as as LeBron, but um, he does fight. He does give effort. It's just, you know, there was a saying when I was playing, you're working hard, but you're killing me. And um, I, I think he works hard. I think he goes at it. I, I just think this team, when it struggles to score and, and, and things like that, you know, I just think it's it's tough to have him out there and not contribute uh, offensively uh, much at all. And, you know, he shot uh, 39% last year, and, and this year he's 2 for 14 or 15 or whatever it is. It's just you need something out of that position, and, and right now we're not getting it. Do you think it's worth talking about? Maybe you you have lineup one and lineup two, and so – when you play those teams that have a dominant small forward, you're starting Dante Cunningham because of what he can do with you on that front. And then on the other teams, maybe you go, maybe that, that three-guard look, is that, does that conversation need to start, I guess? Well, for me personally, um, you know, that's what I've been thinking. I, you know, I, coaches have their own ideas. You can second-guess them and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously you're not going to make everybody happy because – there's probably a thousand ways to do it, but for me, I would go with a three-guard set, especially when most teams are going small anyway. There are very few probably traditional big threes out there. Uh, you know, last night, Al Farouk Aminu starts at the three. He's not 
that offensive. So, you know, maybe you put, uh, you know, an Etwan Moore on him and, and, and then put uh, Ian Clark at the two. So, you know, that's just my thought. Again, I'm not pulling any strings or, or calling any calls, but. Yeah, we're just know, spitballing. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing, spitballing, and that's what I would spit out there. Uh, two other things before we uh, wrap up our, our coffee shop, Les- Leslie Wednesday here. Uh, number one, obviously, the, the Anthony Davis knee situation is going to be on everybody's minds the next not only 24 hours, but perhaps in the coming days. Let's go with two scenarios here. Uh, one, he can't play tomorrow. Uh, and two, he'll be okay and maybe just limited over the next couple of days. If he can't go, offer me an adjustment, if you don't mind, that this team better do if they want to try and and keep moving here without him. Well, you know, I brought up Sheck Diallo, and, and hopefully, you know, we, we looked hard and heavy to find out where exactly he uh, where he injured, and we really couldn't tell. Then, we, then you know, there was rumor that, you know, might have happened before the game and, and warm-ups and all that kind of stuff. So um, Sheck Diallo is going to get some minutes. He's got to bring his game up. If he wants to make, you know, a career in this league, he's got to – He's got to come out and produce, and I think he gives you that runner, that athlete, that uh, you know, that that guy that can change kind of the pace of the game. Um, but he's got to know what he's doing out there and those kind of things. You can move Dante Cunningham over to the four, and then start that three guard lineup. You know that that might be um, some adjustments that they may look forward to making. Again, teams are small for the most part. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is just one of those things that, you know, is feeling uncomfortable. He was being extra cautious, and he'll be out there playing tomorrow night. Let's hope so. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Well, I don't want to say that we've buried the lead here, but just as, just as important this week as anything else that we've discussed is, is the fact that we're in Sacramento. And, look, David, I know players go back and play their old team all the time. But in the case of DeMarcus Cousins and this city of Sacramento, this one, to me, feels different than those other ones I just referred to. And, and it's going to be different. And, and, you know, when I went back and played my teams, my whole career, I, seven or eight shots is what I got. You knew that, and, you know, I could turn that seven or eight into, you know, seven or eight free throws, and all of a sudden I have 25, or my seven or eight, I go four for eight, and I got eight points. It's a little harder for me to get back at my old team. DeMarcus Cousins, the offense is run through him. He makes all the decisions. And if he wants to shoot 30 times, he will and can tomorrow night. So I expect him. And you talk about different feel. And, you know, I don't think he loved the fact that he was traded from here. He liked it here. He's going to bring it. And it's going to be really, really good or really, really bad. Why bad? Well, I mean, if he goes out and shoots five for 30, <laughs> that could wow. be bad. Okay, you, yeah. You know, you know, sometimes you try too hard, and sometimes you, you know, you make a lot of mistakes. You know, um, as well as he played last night, he had eight turnovers. You know, if he has, you know, if he goes five for 25 with eight turnovers tomorrow night, that's a loss, especially, you know, with his volume. So, um, you know, he can, he can go out and get 50 and a win, he'd be happy. And if you win tomorrow night, you take two or three on this road trip. Would we call that a successful road trip? Absolutely. You take two out of every three on every road trip or two out of every three road games, uh, you're going to have a winning season. It's, it's no question in my mind. All right. Um, we're not having cocktails. We're having coffee. Um, can we – do you do cheers? Yeah, with coffee? Yeah, right, absolutely. I like that. I like that. We can, 
we can start whatever we want to. We can have tradition. We can have handshakes. I mean, the people on here won't hear or see it, but we'll know it. Represent. And even if we don't do the handshake, we can say we did. God, I love this stuff. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Yeah. They don't know. <laughs> David can't get away with that stuff on television. Uh, unfortunately, David won't be on television tomorrow night. The game at here in Sacramento is on TNT or national television. We will have it on the Pelicans radio network. Um, and so hopefully, as David mentioned, we're on our way back to New Orleans with a successful road trip. And uh, we'll see your old friends, the Cavaliers, on Saturday, my friend. Yeah. Game two at home, and you get the two teams that were in the finals. Is that coincidence? I mean, is that – like, how does that even ha – how does anybody start with the two teams that were in the finals the previous year for home? That, that's just ridiculous. But whatever. I'm not complaining. <laughs> see you next Wednesday. Are we at a coffee shop or are we at home? That's a good question. I don't know what's after Cleveland. I don't know – I don't even know who we play. Orlando. Beyond that, I don't know. I was going to say, you know more than I do then, because I did not know if we go home for a game and leave for two more or what. But So we get, to, we get to stay home for a second. Good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's been enjoyable. Good stuff, as always, from David and Sean. I think finally next week they'll be able to talk here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans will be taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves next Wednesday here at the Smoothie King Center. Let's focus on Jameer Nelson now, who in his second game with the Pelicans last night, 10 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds on 3 of 9 shooting. Um, you might see Jameer in the starting lineup in the future, but right now just trying to get his legs up under him as he has been a long time or a long couple of days for him traveling uh, basically all day before the Laker game, and now you're on a West Coast trip. So a lot of adjusting for Jameer Nelson. Sean Kelly caught up with him before the Portland Trailblazers game. Here's their conversation following Monday's practice. Jameer Nelson and the New Orleans Pelicans, how did this all come together, Jameer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's the team that wanted me at, you know, in my, my two-day agency, so it's um, good to be where you want it. So it's, it's one of those things where um, it was an easy decision, you know, come here and, and help the team win, play, uh, things I love to do. You had to want them too, so what was it that intrigued you the most? Obviously, the, 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 uh, the three guys, the big three guys. You got you got um, Drew, you got Cuz, and you got uh, AD. So, I mean, those those three impact the game in so many different ways. That um, it's fun. I mean, the game yesterday was fun. Those those, you know, this is one of those things that uh, we're all going to get used to each other uh, on and off the court. And, and right now, I mean, it's all fun. How was game one? You seemed awfully comfortable for a guy who literally traveled all day to get there. Uh, I mean, let's maybe deceive him. Now, I was comfortable playing, but I was a little tired, just all the travel and all that stuff. But uh, like I said, I'm ment mentally prepared. I'm not, I'm out there. I'm not gonna make an excuse. Uh, coach put me a game. I'm gonna play my hardest, do my thing, uh, try to help the guys win. How much did Chris Finch influence your decision, and 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 how much does it help that you guys have been together before? Uh, it helps. It helps obviously when, you, especially you come to a situation where uh, you have to hit the ground running. You have to come out and, and uh, be prepared to play minutes. Uh, so it made it a little easier for me knowing him and. and you know, knowing Drew and uh, Ian and a couple other guys, each one. So it just makes it a little easier to transition. I'm um, not coming to a, into a dark hole where I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. I know pretty much, I mean, even Coach Arm, I, I know his system defensively. So, um, I mean, it's easy, man. It's, like I said, it's all basketball, no matter where you're playing and you go out there and compete and, and leave it out there. Is it strange that you start here with this team on the road? I mean, you're playing with New Orleans across your chest, and yet you haven't even set foot in that arena as a member of this team. You're going to have to play on the road anyway. Yeah. Might, might as well start on the road, right? <laughs> right. Get them out the way. <laughs> when, you, when you look at this team 
I guess, from afar here in the early going of the season, literally two weeks, uh, and, and what you've found now in the last couple of days, um, what now has changed your opinion perhaps about what this situation is and what it can be? Um, I honestly think this is a better team than people think. I mean, that, you know, uh, we, we have to get the defense uh, in order and, and, and try to play um, a, a really efficient game to as close as 48 minutes as we can. Uh, we can't have those stretches where it's five, 60 minutes in a row. We're not doing either end of the court, offense or defense. Uh, we have to be better than that. We, we have uh, somewhat of a veteran team, and uh, we have to be a little mature in terms of, uh, you know, when we have leads. And we, these guys have had, you know, in all three games, big leads. Um, to keep pushing, to keep pushing and, you know, knowing guys are, or teams are going to try to come back. It's the NBA, everybody's going to make a run. Uh, you got to withstand that run and, and make your own run. Jameer, I've watched you in this, in this league now for a decade and a half, and I've watched you kind of go from being, being a young, just blow people out of the water kind of player and get smarter, smarter and smarter and more adaptable as you go. As you now look at this phase of your career, what would you say you are as a player, maybe as opposed to what I saw a decade and a half ago? Smarter. I mean, I, I can still be quick and fast, but at the same time, it's almost like why? Um, if I don't, if I don't need to be, and I can use my brain to do things, then it makes it easier for everybody. Um, you know, I just continue. The main thing for me is just offense, just being in attack mode. Not necessarily score all the time, but uh, to get downhill and, and and to get in the paint. I mean, you get in the paint, a lot of things uh, can happen. You got those two big guys on lives. You got three point shooting, and I got my own shot. Isn't it weird to see David Wesley, who I think was still playing when you started in this league, and now he's old and gray and a broadcaster, and you're still playing? I had coaches who. Who I played against, retired my first year or two. I, you know, Dave, it's, it's a lot, you know, when you get 14, 15 years in the league that you're going to go through and people you're going to pass by. And, um, you know, is it weird? A little bit, but, you know, I'm still playing and, you know, he, he's still doing his thing. So it's all fun. Thank you, sir. I hope you feel very welcome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And we're certainly glad to have Jameer here on the Pelicans. All right, let's turn our attention to football. Our Hall of Fame show starts next. We'll hear from Jonathan Vilma, then Carl Nix. Stay with us. This is the Black and Blue Report. There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship. About 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for Friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time. Fifty years ago, a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi. The tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship. To celebrate, join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, waves of fun, and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken, all to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. Don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. As promised, it's the Saints Hall of Fame weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and uh, two guys will be inducted into the Hall of Fame, Jonathan Vilma and Carl Nix, and we are pleased to have Jonathan Vilma on right now. First of all, Jonathan, thanks for coming on, and uh, congratulations. 
Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, John, you've had a while now to prepare for this week. Uh, what are some of the emotions going through you right now? You know, it's really nostalgia. Um, thinking about thinking back about you know the good times that I had back with all my years with the Saints. Um, really going back to my teammates <clears throat> and um, really enjoying those moments. It, it's funny. Uh, the of course the Super Bowl win comes back to mind, and that was a great time. But I really think about how much fun I had with my teammates in practice in the locker room, um, how we really enjoyed hanging out with each other. Now, uh, I know you talk about the nostalgia. Has that helped you as far as writing a speech? Have you finished it? Are you still working on it? How's that gone so far? <laughs> still working on it. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those where the, the close people to me know how much uh, getting into the Hall of Fame means to me, and they know how excited I am. Um, so it's just a matter of expressing that in my speech. So uh, still working on it, but nothing too crazy. Now, I'm sure people have been bringing up your career in New Orleans since the news broke about you being inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame. When people ask you about your time with the Saints, what do you tell them? It was the best time I had as as a professional. It was the best time I had. Um, I always liken it to my time with the Hurricanes. Um, I had a ton of fun with the Hurricanes. And even now when I think back, uh, it's similar to the Saints. I always think about how much fun it was uh, going into practice, competing, uh, in the locker room, hanging out after games uh, or team dinners, just, you know, all everything about football. That's that is what made it easy when you when I retire it makes it easy for me to think back on the times and there are no what ifs or the woulda coulda shouldas. You mentioned the Super Bowl, and of course, that's every player's goal is to get that Super Bowl ring. During that season, was there a certain point where you thought, man, this team is something special? I think we can do something here. Was there a certain point where that clicked for you and your your teammates? Yeah, the, the, it was funny because I think a lot of my teammates back then all felt like we had something special at the same time. And then that's when we went over to Houston, practiced against Houston, and played them second preseason game. And we had practiced against each other. And we were, as I've always said, we were extremely competitive, very, very competitive. And uh, we didn't realize how hard we were practicing until we went to Houston, we practiced against them, and they couldn't keep up with our pace. So, you know, we ended up getting in fights and all type of stuff. But the pace of practice, how how physical we were defensively, how physical our offense was, you know, they couldn't keep up. And in the game, we blew them out in the game. And that's that was around the time we all started thinking like, hmm, you know, maybe we have something here. Maybe we have something special. And you certainly did. That's for sure. Um, do you have a favorite memory from that Super Bowl season? I know there's so much, whether it's getting there from that NFC Championship game or the actual game itself. But is there one memory that sticks out to you about that special season? You know, one memory I would have from that season would be we played New Orleans. Uh, excuse me, we played the Patriots in New Orleans, and I remember playing against the Patriots twice a year when I was with the Jets, and how tough a battle it was every time. Um, lost most of them, won a few, but it was such a, a grind, such a battle. And I remember we were preparing for them. Everyone had a little different mentality going into that week because obviously you're going against Tom Brady and, and uh, Bill Belichick and their and their defense and the offense. Uh, they had Randy Moss at the time. So I remember thinking that whole time, like, man, this is going to be one of those knockdown, drag, drag out 
<clears throat> drag out fights. And, you know, we're really going to have to battle and, and prepare, which we did. We practiced hard. And then we went into the game and we blew them out. And I remember that it, it was a gratifying feeling. It was the first time I ever saw Tom Brady get taken out of a game early. Uh, we blew them out. They put in the backups. So, you know, it was one of those games where I was like, wow, that we really did something today. We really put it on them because that never, never happened. The times I played them, the times I've seen it, never happened where uh, a Patriots team was beaten so badly Tom Brady would come out of the game early. No, that's a rare thing to see, and it was really cool to see you guys able to do that to him. Um, another guy that's being inducted is uh, Carl Nix. Uh, what was it like trying to shed a block from that massive man when you were playing with him? <laughs> you know, that that was part of the competition. You know, we would go into a training camp, and Carl and I would go at it. Carl, myself, Jonathan Goodwin, Jari Evans, we would go at it. And Carl in particular, because he was young, um, feisty, extremely athletic, feisty, uh, you know, he had that a uh, defensive mentality going, playing offensive line. And those are like the best offensive linemen to ever have. They're the best type of teammates because they, they want to go out there and not just block you. They want to pancake you. They want to let everyone know that they blocked you. They want to, they want to just dance and shine just like, you know, a defensive player when, when they get a sack. So, you know, when going against him was tough, tough. Tough battles, tough matchups, but as I said, it made it a lot easier going into the season. No doubt about that. Um, what about this team so far for the Saints? Uh, started off 0-2, a little bit rough, but now have won four in a row, and the defense has really stepped up. What have you seen from the Saints team? I've seen them come together. You know, it, there were many years that you go 0-2, you lose a couple games, and then the finger pointing starts, and all of a sudden the locker room becomes divided and. And you end up with, you know, a tumultuous season. And I saw the guys, they went 0-2, and, and you didn't hear a peak. You, you, Kenny Vaccaro got benched. He said, look, I got benched. I got to play better, and I'll step up. And uh, he did. And all the players, to, to a man, they decided to step up and, and figure out how to win games as opposed, as opposed to pointing the finger. What does that say about head coach Sean Payton and guys like Drew Brees that, you know, after known to star, things can unravel. But then really with them – uh, never a panic with them, and and now you see them atop the NFC South and contending in the NFC. You know it's great because Sean always preached wanting to bring in the right guys, bringing good guys, good good players, good teammates, um, and he's done that. There was a period where there were some guys that were questionable, and to Sean's credit, to Mickey's credit, uh, you know, I I would tell him, hey, I don't think this guy would have been on, on our teams, on the teams I was on. And they got rid of them quickly. Um, so to get rid of the bad apples, bring in some young guys, bring in some uh, good veterans, that is something to Sean's credit he's always tried to do, and it pays dividends. Speaking of uh, good guys, you're Miami Hurricanes, 6-0 and right now and top, ranked in the top 10, uh, new coach in Mark Richt. Uh, how about your Hurricanes right now? I'm sure you're pretty pleased with how they're performing this season. Oh man, I'm smiling cheek to cheek, man, <laughs> ear to ear. It is, it has been good to see. It's, it's been refreshing to see because those close games, they would find a way to lose in the past. And now they're finding ways to win those close games. So, um, I always said I started the season. People would ask me, what are my expectations for Miami? And I'd say improvement. Uh, I want to see improvement. They say, well, what does that mean? So whatever we can tangibly see as improvement, whether it's winning one more game and going 10 and three as opposed to nine and four, 
whether it's getting into the ACC title game as opposed to being uh, a play away from it or a loss away from it. So um, anything that would show improvement this season, they have done. You can see it. It's tangible right now. So I'm very excited. Yeah, they've been playing really well. Someone that grew up in Georgia, Mark Richt, has always been someone special for the University of Georgia, and he's certainly turning things around there in Miami. Jonathan, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun for you and your teammates you're going to get to see, and I hope you have a very special Friday night. Uh, thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. All right, up next, Carl Nix. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday, red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big is DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big is Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels play LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers Saturday, October 28th at the Smoothie King Center. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. What's up, Black and Gold fans? This is Anthony Mackie, Seven Wars Soldier, Drew Brees, Disciple. You are listening to the Black and Blue Report. From one Saints Hall of Famer to another, joining us now on the Black and Blue Report is Carl Nix. He will also be inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame this weekend. He's kind enough to join us now. Carl, first off, congratulations and thanks for coming on this morning. Uh, Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Carl, I asked the same question to Jonathan just as you prepare to come to New Orleans for the weekend festivities. Uh, what are some of the emotions going through you right now? Uh, a lot of, like, shock and disbelief. And it's extremely humbling. You know, like, I'm super excited, and I'm just trying to compare this to, you know, a lot of things that I've done in my life. You know, we've won the Super Bowl, and, you know, I had some personal, you know, accomplishments, but... This one's pretty much up there, you know. I mean, I don't know if it takes the cake, but it's damn near close. Absolutely, and much deserving, I should say. Um, you have to get a speech for Friday. Are you ready for it? Have you prepared? Or are you still working on it a little bit? How's that going? Uh, I am not ready for it. I have not prepared it, <laughs> but I will. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of in shock, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I didn't play a lot, a lot a long time there, but I have so many different memories and so many people to be appreciative and thank it's you know i don't know how to put it in words but i'll figure it out <laughs> uh jonathan vilma talked about it just this weekend being a little bit of nostalgia do you feel the same way as far as just looking back at your time here in new orleans especially uh with your super bowl run yeah like how can you not you know it's just today i was just looking at you know a couple of old super bowl dvds you know where it kind of highlights the season and you just can't help but just you know get caught up in that feeling that we had, you know, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. Now, you were drafted in the fifth round by the Saints in 2008. Did you ever imagine that after being a fifth-round pick in the 2008 draft that you'd be inducted into that team's Hall of Fame that you were drafted by? No way. I mean, there was a time where I didn't think I was going to get drafted, you know. 
Sean Payton, he took a chance on me, and I'll never, ever forget, you know, what he did for me and the opportunity he gave me. But, I just, man, <laughs> I would never in a million years think that. I was just trying to make the team at that time, you know. Was, I knew I was a low-round draft pick, and I had something to prove, so not in a million years. Well, I went down memory lane with Jonathan Vilma about that 2009 season. I asked him at what point did he feel like that that team uh, could be Super Bowl bound. And he actually said a preseason game against Houston. You all had some great practices, ended up beating them in a game. Um, when did you feel like this team was something special, that 09 Super Bowl team? Yeah, I knew it was special in training camp. When we used to have, you know, red zone period or goal line period, it was more intense than a lot of games we played in. And, we, you know, we're, you know, we had Coach Payton talking, you know, talking about, you know, we're about to score on you and Vilma talking about no way and we've been conditioning on it and everybody's talking and everyone's riled up and you got intense plays, you know, at the end of practice, a three-hour practice in the heat. And it's just, I couldn't believe what was going on. Like, everyone was so competitive. And when Vilma got there and we had Shockey and it was just, and Drew, it was just, well, I knew we had something special. A lot has been written about the team, that game. Uh, is there maybe an antidote or something that maybe you haven't shared previously about what made that group so special? I know you kind of mentioned it there as far as the competition and all the special guys you had around you, but is there anything yeah. maybe that you haven't shared about this team that made it so special for you? No, I mean, when I coach some football out here and I kind of try to think about, you know, what made us so good and, I don't know. I'm, to be honest with you, I don't know because it was a weird combination of everyone was that alpha, com super competitive, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to win at all costs. And we're also really good friends, which, you know, I mean, I knew the linebackers like I knew the offensive linemen. I knew I hung out with the defensive linemen. You know, we'd go together. We'd have dinners at each other, like at each other's houses. And we just, we were really like a, not a family, but if we were, I, Man, we used to wrestle in the locker room. Like, who do you know, like, receivers and running backs jumping off into line, you know, WWE style. It was – we had fun every day, and we worked our butts off. You talk about coaching kids right now. Do you kind of use some of the things you learned from the Saints and kind of, you know, express those same things to your kids? What are you teaching them uh, about the yeah. game of football, just how, how to be a professional, how to be a player, not only on the field but off the field, some of the things that you'd be able to take away from your time with the Saints? Yeah, I think the most important thing is, you know, everything I learned off the field. I, I was projected to be a high draft round draft pick. Didn't end up being that way because I got myself into trouble. And I think I like to stress that to the kids the most. Like, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you know, off the football field, whether that's going to class or just being a good human being, it's not going to work out for you. And when that happened to me, it humbled me. And I, I think about being humble all the time because, you know, everyone's going to work hard and everyone thinks they're good, but, you know, you got to really, you got to really humble yourself and, and buy into what you're doing and give it your all. And that means not cheating yourself off the field. So, you know, I, I think if I learned anything, it was from Sean, it was, it was tough love. You know, he, he humbled me and I needed that. You know, I was that teenager that thought he was so good and, and was untouchable and it got in a rude reality check. And, but I needed that, you know, and he never did it. In a mean way, he always did it in a positive way, and he expected me to be great. And, you know, that made me, you know, think that, you know, maybe I am somebody, maybe I can do this. So, you know, without, you know, Sean was a, was a great coach.
probably the best I've ever had. Absolutely, and uh, we see how this team is doing right now after an 0-2 start, now 4-2, and uh, leading the NFC South Division. Um, what have you seen from this team? And also, what does that say about Sean Payton and Drew Brees that 0-2, some teams kind of break at that point, but this team uh, has never given up, and now they're looking at a possibly a five-game winning streak on Sunday. Listen, if you got Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton, you're good. No matter what the situation is, you could be down 21 points in the fourth quarter. Like, if you got those two guys, especially, you know, Drew, he doesn't – he looks the same, if not better, than when, when I was there. You know, this guy is probably going to play another five years. He's amazing. And and Sean, they got, they got a good chemistry going, and it's hard to be questioned because they proved it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So – you got like like Jar used to tell me we got Drew Brees. You know what I mean? We're still yeah. in this game. No doubt about that. Now I asked Jonathan the same question uh, before I was able to talk to you about how was it like trying to block you during practice. Now I'm going to ask you the same thing. What can you tell us about trying to jo- uh, block Jonathan Vilma? See, when Jonathan came here, you know he has already had all our respect from what he did prior. But this guy, he he's, he's very intelligent and. He's not going to try to come at you the same way twice. You know, one time he's going to use his athleticism and be real shifty, and I got to break down just to block him. And other times, you know, I'm getting ready to break down, thinking he's going to do that. He tries to run my face over. So the thing about John, I like, which prepared me to play other good linebackers. You got to come with the even kill. You can't kind of kill him, and you can't break down like you know they're going to juke you. You got to kind of come in between. And once I figured that out, it made it made games a lot easier. So. Blocking John, it was hard, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, if I got my, my two hands on him, it'd be problems, but he's so elusive and shifty, man. It's, it's hard to, to get your hands on him. Yeah, and, and no blocking needed this weekend, I'm sure. It'll be good to see everyone as you all get ready to be inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame. That's Carl Nix. Carl, I really appreciate the time. Congratulations again, and enjoy everything about this weekend. You deserve it. Thank you, thank you, and uh, I definitely will. No problem. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Big thanks to David Wesley, Jonathan Vilma, and Carl Nix. We'll talk to you on Friday, a Facebook Live edition of the Black and Blue Report. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening.